0: hi welcome to brave talks i'm emily nolan today on the show we have my fuzzin that is fake cousin everyone's got one you know what i'm talking about vanessa phillips who is the ceo of feel good foods it's a multi-million dollar food company and we talk about being a single parent and a working mama uh, while running a multi-million dollar food operation what it's like to deal with the guilt that comes with it and the um, experiences you have as a woman at that level, and as a mother. I'm looking forward to sharing this episode with you because I know there are so many of us who are interested in growing our businesses and what it takes to get there. And Vanessa imparts so much wisdom as to how we can all achieve that place and to equalize women in those positions of power. I hope you enjoy this episode and I look forward to hearing what you think hi how are you
1: hi how are you thanks for having me
0: yeah thanks for coming on brave talks i was so looking forward to having you on the show because you're such an inspiration to me when it comes to motherhood and and being a single mom and a working mom and so i'm wondering what to, the hardest decision you've had to make is being a single working mom
1: Oh. That's a tough question. I mean, I don't think that it's one decision. I think it's just like I'm constantly trying to balance how much time I spend on myself, how much time I spend on my career, and then how much time I spend with my son. I think Mm -hmm. that whether we're single moms or, you know, we have partner or moms in general, I think that we have a lot of guilt when we're away from our kids, even stay at home moms, we constantly struggle with like doing things for ourselves, whether it be going to the gym or having dinner with a friend. Um, so for me, it's always just about finding that balance and, and not feeling guilty for focusing on me and not being with my son all the time.
0: Were you working on feel good foods? before Finn came? Yeah,
1: I, I started Feel Good Foods two years before he was born. You know, it was, it was a startup, so I didn't have employees. I worked whenever i was awake i was working i remember going into labor and i was like i was on the hospital bed like being wheeled into the delivery room like on my phone like answering like work emails trying to figure out like how i was gonna pay this invoice that had just come in and i and i never took like formal maternity leave because at that point my office was in my my home and the only other person that was working on the business full time was my partner. So there was no such thing as like putting, you know, an out of office up. Before Finn was born, Feel Good Foods was my firstborn; It was like my child. And then when he was born, I had to quickly figure out like how I was going to navigate both, but it was really, really hard because Feel Good Foods was still a startup and I wasn't at the point where I could really relinquish control because there was nobody else in the business. So it was definitely really challenging in those early years juggling both of them. I know for me, like being in that infant stage
0: of entrepreneurialism, it can be really challenging because you want to give up. What pushed you past that moment where you're like, no, I'm going to grow this company and I'm going to be the best food company out there?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I was actually talking to my partner about this yesterday because I have a lot of friends right now that are in that startup mode. I think something related to COVID too, has really helped people kind of tap into what they really want to be doing. So I think that a lot of startups and a lot of entrepreneurs are gonna grow from this pandemic time. So I I have a, a few friends right now that are in that stage and they ask me all the time that question, like, how did you prevail? And the truth is, and this is just my own experience, I never thought about giving up. I mean, I would say it all the time. I used to say it to my partner. I was like, I am so over this, I am so done. But you know, at the end of the day, like every night when I went to sleep, I, it's just it was something that was innate in me. Like this was my calling. There was no way that I was going to live this life and not have this company. It was just totally part of my my core. I think that. When you are thinking about giving up a lot, maybe that's almost like your intuition telling you this isn't really the right thing that you're supposed to be doing. Because when you find something that you wholeheartedly believe in, you don't need to find a reason not to give up. You're just gonna believe that you shouldn't give up.
0: Do you think there were times that you had to quiet the noise and just say, Vanessa, like, okay, so you don't have the funding right now. You don't have this, you don't have that, but think about what you do have and like, let's just find a way. Were there times where, like, you're sitting at the breakfast table with Finn, you're like, like, I can't even be honest with my son right now about how anxious I am or how...
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm a really big believer in signs, whatever it is going on in my life. If I'm feeling unsure, I'll always be like the rainbow was a sign or the name on that street corner was a sign. Like I'm a really big believer in signs and it's like the universe, like kind of giving me the signal, I keep going. But I used to joke that with feel good foods, I ignored all the signs because (laughs) on a given day I was told no, all day every day nothing ever worked out i was constantly putting out fires so if i looked at all of those as signs well then yeah every sign for the first five years would have told me to stop it's been some time now since those early years so i think that don't even really remember how horrible it was i mean i i have to really kind of channel and go back i think i lived in just like constant angst in those early years. We definitely did not have funding. My story was not like an overnight success. I really had to like hit the pavement and it was very, very challenging. So, you know, if I close my eyes and I really think about it, yeah, I I had so many nights where I I would just like cry and I was like, I'm not going to make it. Um, There's no way I'm going to prevail. But like I said earlier, I just, for whatever reason, n- kept going. It was like, I believed that it was going to happen. I wasn't sure like what that moment was going to be where I was like, "Ah, oh, I made it. But I always knew that I was going to make it happen.
0: When you and I spoke in private, I, I had started a fun little hobby cake company mm-hmm. and tried to recruit you to help me in any way possible. Mm-hmm. You told me that, there's no way you would ever start another food company.
1: I when I started Feel Good Foods, I will it I will say that like I had no idea like how complicated starting a um, consumer food brand would be. And I also was coming from the restaurant industry, which was completely different and, and way more simple in terms of like the transaction time is much shorter, and somebody just comes into your restaurant, and you serve them, and, and that's it. Um, the infrastructure and the logistics of you know running and operating a nationwide frozen food brand is way, way, way more complicated. So I think that like I sometimes say, I would never do it again, just because I I don't know. I think if I survive one lifetime doing it, I don't know if I would be so excited to do it again. But with that being said, I mean, I started the food brand because it came out of like a personal need. You know, I grew up um, always loving food and I was um, really challenged when I found out that I had to live a life being gluten-free and give up all these foods that I really missed. And when I was reintroduced to these foods again, but gluten-free, it was like my calling. Like I, I felt, you know, it was like my responsibility to share these foods with other people. When you start a company from A, like a personal need, like you are solving a problem for yourself and you're solving a problem for many other people, and it's a passion of yours. The complications and the logistics on the business side kind of fall second to the mission that you're on and um, that's why i think it's so important to um, have a company that really is personal to you because as challenging as the business is that will never overshadow um, the reason why you started i feel that i was definitely put on this earth to do this and i'm so um, fortunate and grateful that i've had the opportunity to do it Um, I don't know if I would need to do it again (laughs) if I did it once, but I'm so glad I did it, but no doubt, I mean, food, the food industry today is incredibly intricate and complicated and it's gotten even more complicated, um, in the nine years that I've been doing it. So if anyone came to me for advice, I would definitely say like, make sure that this is something that you're really passionate about because it's not easy.
0: I hear you. I started a cake business with my girlfriend, and we were barely breaking even. I was like, what are we doing? Yeah. And I, I hear you. I do just scaling and all that. So in line with that, what does it look like when you go into an investor meeting? I know now is different because everything's virtual, and possibly it was
1: before, but the landscape like? Is it all men? Are you the only woman? It depends on the meeting. If it's a meeting with a retailer like Walmart or Target or Whole Foods, it's definitely a lot of women, um, women buyers or women associates. And I'm wearing like a very different hat depending on the meeting. So if I'm in a retailer meeting, I'm really telling my story and I'm pitching the product. And the brand—that's totally my comfort zone. I love talking about. Um, that's really where I get kind of my my high. That's where my endorphins really kick in. Is when I go to a retailer meeting. There's nothing more satisfying, and that really helps me like appreciate how far I've come. If I'm in an investor meeting um, or a board meeting, it's definitely ninety-nine percent of the time men, and then me. And and I and I joke about it because. I, you know, will be in a board meeting and and then in, in addition to my board, we also have advisors that sit in and, you know, it'll be like nine men and myself. And while I joke about it, I also often feel, responsible for it too, because I wish that um, there were more women on my cap table and on my board besides myself. And it's something that I'm constantly working on and trying to add diversity in that regard. Um, But the reality is, is the landscape today, when it comes to um, institutional money and VCs, it's primarily men. So that is something that I want to see change more. Sometimes feels like it's not a fair balance and I, and I do wish that I had more female energy, um, in the room, but I have had years now of really fine tuning my, my confidence and how I, you know, really knowing my, my information and knowing my stuff and, and just kind of having like an alter ego that I really tap into. But I used to like get very nervous before a board meeting. I would spend weeks stressing before a board meeting. And, you know, now I, I don't even, I don't get that. I'll wake up that day. And I'm like, Oh, I have a board meeting today. Um, <laughs> so it definitely gets easier longer. You're in it.
0: I think you did take a board meeting um, from your son's bed when we were visiting you,
1: <laughs> yeah, I, or maybe a board call. Probably maybe it was yeah, it was a call. Yeah, it's definitely intimidating sometimes having to um, port to investors, and and you definitely are going to get pushback on certain things. But that's what keeps you honest, and that's what keeps you on your toes, and that's just the reality of the landscape of taking money from people.
0: If there was a piece of advice you could give. Some woman who's interested in being on your level and growing to the point that you and your company have grown to and joining you in that room of all men to equalize that uh, female presence. What would you encourage them to do or read or educate themselves with? Or would it just be like hit the ground running?
1: I, I definitely hit the ground running. I mean, I it's already like changed so much in the last like decade. I mean, there it's it's a fact that more and more women are starting companies and getting funding. And I don't know at what point it's going to be equal, but I know more women are getting C C-level and C-suite um, positions. So I think that we're we're already getting there. I think what's always held us back and what will continue to hold us back is the notion that, you know, women are the primary caregivers of their home and they are responsible for their children and men get away in society a lot easier than women with working ridiculous hours. And I feel it every day being a mom. um, So often I will, go to um, a board meeting, and then after the board meeting, I'm rushing home because I had a board meeting all day, and then we have a board dinner after the meeting, and I'm rushing home to my son because I had my nanny stay late. The men after the board meeting will all go out for like a nightcap. That, you know, it's, it's constantly, I think, harder for women to juggle working ridiculous hours and also being a full-time mom because at the end of the day if you're working or you're a stay-at-home mom you're always a full-time mom so men get a little bit more support at home from their wives just i think just society in general kind of like lends itself to that and women like i said earlier they may have more guilt or they're just just based on society standards it's a little bit harder um, for women to kind of come to, it's just it's a constant like push and pull. So um, I I think that we just kind of need to, as a society, be more sensitive to to women and support them more and encourage them more and say like you you know where there's a will there's a way and you'll figure it out and you can definitely have the um, robust full career like men have and also be there for your children and be a full time mom too. Is there something
0: that a man could have done to lend you a hand or support you in your journey that would be helpful for them to know like in the future, like, hey, this I'm an inclusive business operator. I wanna help you and support you. You can do this. I know it's hard being a full-time mom and career woman. No, me I mean, I was,
1: really, I was really fortunate, you know, because I started um, my company with my um, then husband and um, had a child with him. And I was really fortunate because um, he's still my business partner today. And he was really, really supportive and always encouraged me to be not only his partner, but to to start this company. So I was really lucky because my partner really believed that we slash I could do this. So I mean, definitely just surround yourself with people in business that believe in you
0: yeah that was part of my experience too even starting brave talks matt really pushed me i was in i would say a dark place it was more of like this empty hole of a place where i was so bored postpartum and i couldn't travel um i wanted to be with my son i also wanted something to stimulate myself and grow with and grow as a company in a business and matt was like do this i've got oliver i'll watch him and so for x amount of hours every week he takes ollie and you know kind of like works and plays with him at the same time it's not perfect you know i still have him 85 percent of the time but we're co-parenting a lot more and it's a lot more equal it's not again perfect but he's doing the best he can in a time where it's really crazy hard to work and have a child and so that to me has been um, the wind in my sails and i just couldn't agree with you more to have that like partnership i think is almost key before you enter into a venture that requires so much time and energy even if it's like a partnership with your nanny you know like it, as a single mom like knowing that you've got that support system is so important
1: my son has grown up knowing that this is what his parents do and he takes a lot of pride and ownership and feel good foods as well and he doesn't really know any different i mean for his entire life this has been what we do and it's 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 our company and i think it's a really really good example um for him and teaches him a lot about um entrepreneurship and ownership and and um he really gets it like if i say to him like i'm you know, I have a meeting right now, he'll be, he'll ask questions and he'll be like, who's the meeting with and, and what's, what's on the agenda? Because he has literally (laughs) been like raised and like, it is like deep seated in him that it's like, this is not a joke. This is mommy and daddy's livelihood. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but he's, yeah, but he's also, I mean, he's come to trade shows with us and he's just like really supportive of this company because he knows that, that this is, so important to us so i think too like your kids um really talking to them about what you do and making them a part of it like even if it's like having ollie make a cake while you make a cake obviously you're not going to sell his cake but really like including your kids in what you do i think is is really important yeah what do you want your legacy to be my legacy like after i'm like no longer here yeah oh my god (laughs) I like feel like too young to answer that. I
0: just think about like all of the tough decisions you've had to make already as a single mom and like the path that you're carving and what you're leaving behind for Finn and I'm just curious what you want all of this to mean.
1: I mean, when I think about my life in totality, like I, and like my legacy, like I only think about my son, to be honest. Like I've never thought about like feel good foods. I mean, it's really important to me because it was my passion and it was what I do. But um, at the end of the day, my legacy is all gonna be left to the person I'm, I'm leaving. And that's just like, I want to be like an emotion and a, a sentiment. I mean, I just want uh, my son to just remember me as someone that loved him more than life.
0: Yeah. I hope he watches this when he's, well, tomorrow, he's old enough to watch this. I have like tears in my eyes. I'm like, yes. What's what's the bravest thing that you think you've ever done as a working mom?
1: Definitely starting Feel Good Foods was was very brave because I really, I walked away from a company and a job where I was, I had a lot more security and um, I really put myself out there and it was incredibly risky and I don't even think that I did the homework to really know at the time like the percentages of uh, businesses that fail but I don't even I don't think it would have made a difference honestly because I was also so stubborn I think that's a really important um, actually I think that's a really important trait to have is I from a a really young age my parents always I was really stubborn and I think that that's good because it, it helps you you know you're being stubborn And that you're not gonna give up. You're gonna fight back when there's obstacles. So, starting my company was really brave. Being a single mom was a choice that I made. And, you know, obviously it's never the ideal situation and it comes with a lot of, you know, hurdles and setbacks. But it also, I think at the end of the day, like one of the reasons why I went down this path is I realized when my son was pretty young that if I was not genuinely and authentically happy, then I was not going to be the best mom I could be. And I think that that is something that humans in general don't, realize is that when you wake up and your soul is not happy you take that out on your child even if you are not aware of it I see sometimes when I'm really stressed out or exhausted I'm not proud of the mom I am in those moments and I'll have like a short fuse and and I'll take it out on Finn I saw it a lot early in the pandemic when I was (laughs) homeschooling him. And I was definitely not proud um, of how I was, you know, momming him in those moments. Making the decision to be a single mom was really painful and really hard. And I thought that I was not doing what was best for my child because I, of course, I wanted my child to grow up in a single family home. And, you know, he is so close to me and his dad and he wanted us to be together. I had to do a lot of soul searching because what I came to realize is that I totally understand that that's what he wanted. And I wanted that too, but that was not, that was not reality. And if I gave him that, what I was going to be taking away from him was that he was going to be raised by a mom that was not really, really happy. And I think that that would have more consequences for him long-term than if he was in two loving homes with two parents that when they were with him were 100% present and living a life that was authentic to them. That was a really, really painful, hard realization that I had to come to but I completely stand by it today. And I always tell people like, if you are not happy, you are not going to be the best parent you can be. Make yourself whole, make yourself happy. And that is your way of choosing your child.
0: Thank you so much for coming on Brave Talks and just having the courage to have that foresight and. Um, decision-making it's so empowering to so many of us whether it's with marriage or with you know careers and deciding to do something if you're a stay-at-home mom and you're just like I have the itch to do something bigger and greater and be happy so thank you for all the inspiration and wisdom I can't wait to see what's next for you in your next 10 years and continue to be your biggest cheerleader
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on.